Welcome to the Red Letters Podcast. In this podcast, we'll explore topics that can be life transforming while delivering a message of hope. Welcome to another episode of Red Letters. Today we will be discussing why do we care about what people think of us. So we thank you for joining and this is going to touch on some subjects that maybe are near and dear to our hearts, but why not have this conversation? I guess what we could maybe start looking at is what causes someone to turn around and need the approval of somebody else. I think just that thought in itself would, I would probably first think of a lot of times we want to feel accepted. Right. So I think that being accepted is near and dear, like you said, to our hearts. And so sometimes we we try to please people just to get their approval. And right. sometimes I think when we do that, we even violate our own principles. There you go. Like it would be like you're violating your own principles. There you go. Mm-hmm. It has a lot to do. I strongly believe that it has a lot to do with the way we grew up mm-hmm. and possibly not being accepted in our own family or constantly being judged. I would say... That for me, um, not feeling that connection with either one of my parents, I was always seeking the approval of other people, other people to think of us. I always always wanted to know what others thought. I always wanted to be included. I always wanted to be part of the crowd. And I didn't understand why I wasn't. It was because I didn't know how to get along with people. But um, social skills. Yeah, I had no social skills whatsoever. And and what does that mean, Tony? Social skills. Uh, Being able how to conduct yourself among people. Yes. And it's not always sitting there and telling a sob story. Mm-hmm. It's like you don't want to be the victim when you're around somebody. You don't always want to make it like, oh, look at all these horrible things that happened to me. Trying to get people to like you because they feel sorry for you. Mm-hmm. So that's that nothing good comes from that. So for me, I had to learn that the hard way. I really did. It was like, why well, don't like I didn't understand when I was growing up why I didn't have a whole lot of friends. But it was I always had a sobby story. Mm-hmm. And I always was the victim of everything that was happening. That's why I believe I cared so much what others thought of me because I wanted to be part of the crowd, but I didn't understand why I couldn't be part of the crowd. Got it. Or part of other people. I like that you brought up like your past and your childhood because I think growing up, I hit different seasons. There were certain seasons where I felt like, oh, everything's good. Although I was in a dysfunctional family, I had certain loved ones that would always pour into me. So I felt that that's what gave me confidence. Then I would hit, you know, I remember like when I hit high school, then that got deflated because then my closest Mm. friends had the ideal home to go to and I didn't. Mm -hmm. So I felt like I was always trying to play catch up. So I had to do something to, you know, I'd go the extra mile to do better, to kind of go above and beyond in Mm -hmm. in my relationships, trying to muster up uh, what I saw in them to try to think, okay, well, I got something going on based on what my performance. And I think sometimes our performance in the area of friendships and those that we hang out with, or even if it's people at work that you're trying to just get noticed and, you know, you don't want people to see or think that you don't know what you're doing. Sometimes our performance takes over where we end up getting exhausted in the process because we're trying to make up for what we think we're lacking. Exactly. And I think sometimes we're not necessarily lacking the stuff. It's more the confidence in order to be in that room or sit at that table that you're sitting at, Mm -hmm. you know, among your peers. Right. I feel for me, it was more the approval. Uh, from others. I wanted the approval of others that mm-hmm. I was doing things right. And why would oh. you say that's so important? I think growing up, I didn't really have, I was always like, you know, almost like, I guess you could say trying to get the approval of your father. Right. Mm-hmm. And 
you know, but no matter what I did, because I guess you could say I was more free spirited. That's a nice way to say it. Uh And I did things pretty much the way I wanted to do them. And I, you know, he was always looking up to having, you know, a daughter that graduated and did something with their life. But I get too that he didn't want me to fall kind of in his footsteps, which I did because he didn't graduate till he was like 40 something. Mm -hmm. And um, I never graduated. Mm-hmm. So I ended up dropping out of school at, I think I was 17 when I dropped out. Oh, wow. So I think that just having that approval, knowing that, you know what, I did well, I'm doing good, you know, and it maybe has to do a lot of with the verbal, Yeah. you know, mm-hmm. I want to, I don't want to say so much verbal, ab- I, don't, I don't know, verbal abuse sounds like a harsh word, but I know a lot of people might think in their mind, maybe that sounds like verbal abuse, Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. you know, it but it could just I, be a lack of positive reinforcement. I yeah. would say, yeah. Yeah. You know, because I don't want to say that about my dad, that it was verbal abuse. I think it was more just... Um, and belittling? Belittling. Belittling. Yeah. Belittling me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a perfect way to say it. Yeah. I think one other thing that we could add to that is your identity. If yeah. you don't know who you are and you weren't, uh, you didn't grow up with that positive reinforcement, like I see my grandson, that right. kid got so much confidence. Nice. Like, yeah, I love because that. Because he, he seemed like he could do anything, say anything. He talks like with intelligence, all this stuff. And I look at him like, I haven't seen a kid with this much confidence in like uh, forever almost, it seems like. And I think it's because he has so much support around him. Right. You know, he has so many people loving him, pouring into him, and that just fuels his like, I know who I am. That's awesome. And, and I think when we don't have that filling our tank, we're desperate to fill it at all means. Right. And we're willing to pay the price to do that. Oh. So I think that it could be a, you know, we think it's a good thing, but sometimes if we're real honest with ourselves, sometimes it's an ugly thing because we're exhausting ourselves to meet an approval of someone. And the reason for it, why is it we're doing it mm-hmm. at the end of the day? And I think it's just that we don't we're not confident and we don't know who we really are. And I think like for me, the biggest thing that changed that for me was actually when I came to God. Oh yeah. Because when I started seeing who he said I am and he accepted me as I am, I didn't have to perform for him. Then it changed my outlook and all my other relationships. Mm -hmm. Because I I might have mentioned this in an earlier podcast, but, you know, I live like half a block away from the high school and I go home for nutrition break was only 10 or 15 minutes because Mm -hmm. I didn't want to be around people. Wow. And that's a sad place to be. I like when I bring that up, I'm like, man, what a loner, (laughs) you know, at the highest level of 10, 15 minutes. You can't just stay walking down the hall, even if you did laps around a building. Yeah, But I did that just because I didn't want to be around people. Right. And I and I think that that's a sad place to be. But I thank God that there was healing that took place and that identity was Mm -hmm. uh, that identity solution was solved because of him. Right. That's so good, Tony. Yeah. And I'm going to I want to mention this really quick for parents or the authority figure of a child. I think it is so important to build up that child because in building up a child, just like you said with the grandson, Tony, Mm -hmm. is we're building confidence. We're building self-esteem. We're building something in them that they can get from the world. And if they do get it out there, it's not going to be good. So a lot of children, parents, adult figures, listen, (laughs) these children are actually going to grow up one day. And I remember this um, because of the way that I would speak to my children when they were younger and I was not saved. I had the tendency to talk down to them, belittle them, even cuss at them. And it was until my son said one day he was doing something. He must have been like seven or eight years old. And I looked at him and said, why can't you just do things right? And he said, because I'm such a bad boy. 
And I was like, oh my gosh. And it hurt me in that moment. I was like, you're not a bad boy. You just make really bad decisions. But how do you make a seven-year-old understand something like that? He doesn't understand he's making bad decisions. So throughout his uh, adolescent years, he was always doing something that he wasn't supposed to be doing. And he would just say, it's because I'm just one of, I'm a bad kid. I'm like, where do you get that? He's like, you would always say that to me. So then we adults sit back and we're looking at our children that are young adults. And they're like, why are they doing this? Or why do they? act like this is because a lot of it had to do what we were pouring into them because of what we didn't know. So you have all these kids with low self-esteem. You have these children or young men, young women that have no confidence and they're running in crowds because they're getting the approval. Even if it's negative approval, Mm -hmm. we'll take anything because we'll take any type of attention as long as someone is paying attention to me. So it's so important that if you are that adult figure in your child's life, in your, if you're raising grandchildren, if you're raising nieces and nephew, if you're a foster parent, mold this child with confidence, mold them with self-esteem, mold them with that love that they need where they're not seeking others' approval, not wondering what other people think of them. So yeah. I just I just had to mention that. And I'm, I'm a better parent now. And I've talked to my <laughs> child. However, I've taught him because he has a daughter now. And it's like, all we do is build her up. And I love that my granddaughter also speaks with a lot of confidence. And she's very intuitive. And she's very outspoken. And I'm like, she only has that because of how we built or continue to pour into her. And she knows without a reasonable doubt that she is loved, like from our family, my son. And and we do, we really like, we're building her up to, to be this strong, confident woman. That's good. I think one of the things you had said uh, kind of triggered a thought. And the thought is a lot of times we don't, as parents, take the time to separate the difference between, like how you said, your son said, I'm I'm just a bad boy. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. But I think that sometimes when, you know, whether you're going to church, you're not going to church, whether you have a relationship with God or you don't have mm-hmm. a relationship, relationship with God, <laughs> is to keep in mind how you discipline and the words you use. Because if we yes. take our time to separate, okay, you're not a failure, but what you did was not good and you failed maybe in this venture you tried to do but right. at the end of the day you're not the failure yeah the the venture was the failure what's, what's so the, if we yeah. separate the two then hopefully the child will turn around and be able to separate it themselves and say okay right. this thing here failed but that doesn't mean i'm a failure right exactly. and i think as we explain those things and we try to separate the two in our conversation with their kids mm-hmm. i think it would help them not have to carry such a big load thinking right. i can't do anything mm-hmm. no that's so good and also uh, age appropriate Tony. Yeah, yeah. like we're not gonna tell like i tried to tell a six-year-old it wasn't you that's bad it's your behavior well he doesn't get it Mm -hmm. but if we tell him like talk down at their level not talk down to them but talk to at their level and have i don't know if you want to bring out a book if you want to do something different in order to make this child understand why what they did was incorrect and of course now they're teenagers they understand a little more and then you can talk more in in their level so i think it's very important just like you said use your words but use them wisely when you're talking to an individual so if you have a nephew or a niece mm-hmm. and you see them always running with the crowds and not wanting to think for themselves, what would be the best thing that you could possibly say to them? Well, first, Tony, I think that you would have to build a relationship with them. I think that you would have to establish some type of trust with your niece, with your nephew. And once they, you've earned their trust, 
mm-hmm. then you could start pouring into them something that's positive. Because if you, if somebody's going to those types of crowds, it's because they have no positivity going on in their lives already. Mm. So they're looking for, like I said earlier, we seek attention, even if it's bad attention, but at least somebody's paying attention to me. At least somebody thinks I can do something right. If that means stealing something, you know what? I stole it. I'm the best, you know, thief or whatever. You got the attention that all these people are looking at you and these uh, individuals are saying, yeah, good job. Look, he's the best. Let's send him out. So now he's getting some type of attention. So what you want to do first is you want to establish a relationship with this person. You want to gain their trust. And then as you gain their trust, then you start slowly but surely pouring love into them, not not discipline, not talking down to them, not telling them that what they're doing is wrong, because you have to understand if an individual has gotten to that point, it's because of what has not been going on either in their home or whoever's raising them. Mm -hmm. So I know because I work with foster kiddos and what I've learned with them is you can't get them to do anything. You can't get them to believe in anything until you can get them to earn your trust. You're not going to be like all those other people that don't believe in them. That's good. One thing I was thinking of is if we rewind the whole story of creation, God created Adam and he was dwelling with the animals that God created. But then he said, it's not good that man be alone. Right. So I think that when people, you know, young people are going with the wrong crowds and all, they want fellowship. They want communion with people, but they're finding it at any level they can get it. And they're accepting it at any level. And I think why people do that is because God created something inside of us to dwell with each other. Adam didn't need anybody. I mean, if we remember about Eden, Adam was okay. He was content. Like he didn't even know that he was missing another body because he had God. Like he, he had that relationship with God that he didn't feel alone. He didn't feel like he had to please, you know, something or someone, even though there wasn't anybody else around except God. But he felt that connection was there, Mm. that he didn't need anyone. But God said, it's not good for man to be alone. So then he created out of him a woman, you know, so he could have someone. So obviously God wants us to have fellowship. He wants us to have that friendship with somebody, like not to be alone. Mm. But yet, if we are not healed, if we are not filled with what Adam was filled with, we are going to be those people that go out there and we run with the wrong crowds. And we're okay because all we all are are people pleasers. And we're trying to get the approval of others at any means. But if you're filled with God, if you're filled with the word, you're okay being all by yourself. I really believe that. Like, I mean, obviously Mm -hmm. you're okay like if people come around, but you're also okay like I'm okay by myself. I I don't need somebody here to feel whole. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. Well, another thing thing that comes to mind is people running with the crowds uh, compared to the people that are willing to blaze their own trail. Uh There's a verse that it talks about without a vision, people perish. So a lot of times, if you don't have a vision for your own life, you're going to run and chase someone else's vision because you can't think for yourself. You don't Mm want to set aside time to, what do I really want to do with my life? And start answering some of those life... Difficult uh, questions. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And and settle some of those issues for yourself. But the, the ones that are willing to run on their own, they, they have a vision for... They're chasing something because they know what they know what they're going for. Yeah, exactly. Like, I have a friend uh, that just came to visit us and he's here because his son's going to, I think it's bud training, like to get into the Navy, Navy Seals. SEALs. Oh, wow. Okay. And I, th- I think he just graduated and I was talking to him and he was telling me he's doing two jobs, going to school, going to this... Uh, officer training course 
And I was like, you know, you really need to do something with your life. You know, mm-hmm. joking with them, he started laughing. But this kid's like, I guess they say he's, he he gets up like at four or five in the morning and he goes to sleep around one or two in the morning oh, wow. because he's chasing something. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I'm not saying that you need to be doing that for the rest of your life, no. but there's seasons where you should be doing that. Mm-hmm. But don't neglect either being able to be around people that could build you up yeah. and people that you could build up exactly. because it's a two-way street. No, that's so good. So if you're an adult, this is how I see it, like this individual that you're speaking of. So if you're an adult or you are at that age now where you can make your own choices and no one ever built you up, no one ever, you don't have that confidence. You're a people pleaser. You're always trying to seek attention, even if it's bad attention. But if you're at that age, well, this is the time to start doing that work on yourself. Mm -hmm. This is that time where we stop looking for somebody else to come and help me build me up. No, we start doing it ourselves. I strongly believe in that. It's um, like we have self-help books and if you everything that you get out of any other book i've said this before and i'll say it again it's already in the bible like Mm -hmm. in the bible it breaks it down god tells you what he expected from you god tells you why he created you and you know that there's something there's a longing within you if you're this adult that's out there and you're lost and you're still going to the crowds there's a longing within you to belong but it's not to belong with these crowds is to belong with Christ. It's that relationship that he already had with you. So start building yourself up. Start telling yourself you can do it instead of, no, I can't do it. That's so good. One thing I heard the other day, and I thought it was so good, is it says the greatest gift you can give your wife, your kids, your grandkids, your family, your Mm -hmm. church, where you work is a healthy you. Oh, that is so good. Yes. So if, if, if we're not paying attention to the health of how we think, Mm -hmm. what we believe, how we function, what we're pursuing, if we don't take time to try to figure those things out, you're not going to be healthy on the inside. You have to take time to get direction for yourself. And what worked for me, and I tried a few different things before because there were certain things I was doing that were totally bad for me. And I remember promising some of my friends, hey, I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop this, especially when it came to like drugs and stuff like that before I, you know, when I was in high school, I could not stop this stuff. Mm -hmm. But once I invited God and said, you know, God, I don't even know. I, I've heard about you. I went to catechism. I know a little bit about you, but I don't know you. And right. if you can do something with my life, then I'm giving it to you yeah. because I can't do this by myself. Right. And I think that, that that's a, a really probably the best place to start. And if you've had, if you've had a relationship with God and it's went stagnant, I beg of you for your own good and for mm-hmm. the health of your life. And your family. Renew that. Mm-hmm. God's, he's, he's, he's there where you last left off. Yes. Where, where you left off, where you jumped off the bus, he's still at that bus stop waiting for you. He didn't right. go nowhere. He's not walking away from you. Mm-hmm. So I think that we need to put more attention towards our, our the health, not just of physically, but every aspect of right. our life. And it helps you be a better you. And then you when you don't have to feel compelled or you don't have to feel the demand inside that I have to be running with these people just mm-hmm. because I don't know what else to do with my life. Right. Because so with that verse where it says, without a vision, people perish. Mm-hmm. Think about that. If you don't have a vision, you're already dying. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And we, we don't look at that verse that way, but there's truth in it saying that, that with, mm-hmm. if you're not having a vision for your life, you're already in the process of dying. Because you're not chasing nothing. You don't have any intent with your life. There's no goal, no vision. There's no aspirations. But once you start seeking God and 
uh, evaluating the gifts and the talents right. that God's given you. What do you have in your hands so that God could prosper that? Yes. It's, you don't have to go chase what's what you don't have. Mm-hmm. Every time God used something or used somebody, it was something that they had. Mm-hmm. They had a giant that had to turn around and get defeated. David picked up a rag mm-hmm. and a rock. Yep. Different people. Every time it was like, okay, what do you have? Okay, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Samson, you're going to defeat this. Your power is going to be in your hair, so don't yeah. cut your hair. Mm-hmm. He didn't make him get something he didn't have. Right. So you might need to look in the mirror, if you will, and see what do you have and right. w- how could you start to use that to be healthy and start moving forward and not feel compelled to have to be in the crowd because you have this need because you can't function on your own. Right. You're dependent on others when it mm-hmm. shouldn't be that way. Yeah. Form your own path. There you go. I think in that situation, we form our own path. Um, so if something that you said reminded me of what happened earlier this week, Tony. You said a healthy you. I took my mother-in-law to a holistic doctor because we hate pharmaceuticals. Sorry, I don't know who's out there listening, but it's the truth. <laughs> like, uh, there's so much medication out there that, you know, oh, take a pill and you'll feel better. Take a pill and this, you know, you won't We have this depression or this anxiety or whatever. And she'd been going through some issues, even like hearing loss or zooming in her ear or something. And I'd been telling her about this holistic doctor. I'm like, maybe we should take something that's natural that you would actually take because what you're going through is not working. So we end up going and I've been telling her this for months and we get there and the doctor said, isn't it interesting that you went and tried everything out there, that you went and did this and you believed in that? He said, and now where you feel like it's gotten so bad, now you come to me when it should have all along, you should have started here. You know, he was just being funny with her. But I think this is this is the world we're living in today. People are going and seeking friendships, good or bad. People are going out there seeking a drug for whatever reason, to feel what God has already filled within them, but yet they haven't discovered the God in them. So don't wait to be falling on your face and not be able to move. Seek Him now. Seek seek what He has for you, and, and He will work wonders within your life if you allow Him. Because God is not like God is not this person like, you better do it. He doesn't do it. He just has the door open. If you're willing, He's going to allow you in, and He's going to help you start working on yourself, but we have to let him in. One thing I think about like uh, growing and looking at that health that we're talking about, part of personal growth, it comes from the willingness. I mean, the yeah. pain that you're willing to process. Yes. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of times we'll have pain inside that causes us to run with the crowd yeah. or want to be accepted. But because we don't process that pain, we want to go ahead and medicate it. We want to avoid it. We want to turn around and, um, what do you call it? indulge in the pain. Right. And, and use that as, oh, I can't move on because of this pain, because I'm a victim of this or that. But if you're willing to process it, yeah, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be painful to process. But once you process it, you're going to be better for it when you can look back and see the growth that came from it. Oh, yeah. So mm-hmm. challenge yourself. If you're in a, a place today where you just, you're kind of like in no man's land and you're not sure what to do or how to move forward. And why don't you take a step back when we, when I mentioned earlier, you're looking in the mirror, look, is there a a time where you receive some pain from a person, a situation that is holding you back? Mm -hmm. If so, why don't you look at that and see how can I overcome this pain and process it so that I could get out of this rut and start to live life? Because I'm existing, but I'm not living. Exactly. And God's never called us to do that. No. So I think that's a good uh, indicator or something to look at if you feel like you're stuck in a rut and you can't get out. Mm -hmm. That's so good. So why do we care about what people think of us? 
I'm going to go ahead and close up and I'm just going to let anyone who's listening right now that we have some colds in here. Like uh, that's why we, <laughs> we make a little coffee in there, but uh, just bear with us. We thank you. So we care a lot about what people think of us. It, it has a lot to do with the confidence that we have and the self-esteem that we don't have. So start looking within yourself. Like Tony said, look in the mirror. I have something where I don't have to run with the crowd. I can form my own path. And yet I can be with the crowd when I'm needed to, but not because I'm seeking attention or seeking to be loved or, or accepted by someone. It's just because I know that I can. Thank you for joining us on this week's podcast. Until next time, God bless. Thank you.